Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. What we looked at was the fact that um, there was a lot of waiting that took place uh, for the arrival of this child for the Christmas story that we know to, to really be unfolded. And, and uh, we said, you know, it's hard to wait. I mean, prophecies had been given for, for so long, generations. Generations had come and gone, and they were waiting for someone to come who would deliver them. We had been waiting for generations, right, for someone to come, someone to fix the problems. And what we said in week number one, we said waiting can be hard, especially when you're waiting on God. We said, you know, sometimes our lives aren't the way that we were hoping it to be, and we just say, we're waiting for God to fix it. And we said, oh, it's so hard waiting, but especially when you're waiting on God. And then week number two, we, we said, you know, sometimes life doesn't turn out the way that we pictured life to be. And that certainly was true for Mary and Joseph. Uh, never in their wildest dream did they think when they were getting engaged that Mary would get pregnant before, um, uh, yeah, before they got married. And, uh, and then to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Uh, no, and they never thought that their firstborn child would be born in some kind of a barn or stable or a cave and, and that it would be born in Bethlehem. Uh, never had they pictured in their life that they would have to get up in the middle of the night and flee to Africa for two years waiting because someone was trying to kill their firstborn child. That was not the picture that they had painted uh, for their lives. And some of us know what that's like when the picture we had painted for our life doesn't turn out the way that we thought. And we said sometimes it's hard to trust and believe that God is actually working behind the scenes of our life uh, for our good. It's hard. And so we challenge each other to say, let's trust that God is in control, always. Choose faith over fear. And don't forget the story is not over yet. God is still uh, at work. Well, for generations, there was this lead up uh, for the arrival of this rescuer. And, and, and all kinds of clues were given. First of all, they said, this person that is going to be coming will be from the lineage of David. So that's going to narrow it down right there. Then they said, this person will be from the tribe of Judah. So it's kind of narrowing the focus, what to be looking for. Uh, they said, this person will be born in Bethlehem. They said, if you start hearing stories about someone giving birth to a child who's a virgin, get your ears open and listen to what's happening. That's the clue that he is coming. Uh, if you hear stories and rumors that a government is trying to kill this child, those are all signs pointing that that, there, that he has arrived, that he's here. You'd be looking for those signs. And what we s believe right now is we celebrate the advent of, of Christ. And as we kind of look at the, at the first coming of Jesus Christ, we need to remember there's actually a second advent of Jesus Christ. He came once, but he is coming again. That's what the Bible told us. Uh, this week I learned something that I never knew before. I don't know how I missed this, to be honest with you. But in, in, in the newspaper world, they have a certain kind of font, a, a certain kind of type that they use for uh, mega events. Uh, if they want to make a, a special announcement, it's reserved for only those kind of events. When they want the headlines to jump off the newspaper, this is, uh, they use a certain font. So they would have used this font when John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas. When, when, when the planes flew into the Twin Towers, they used this particular kind of font. I was shocked to find out the font is called, you can look it up online, the font is called actually Second Coming Font. 
second coming uh, font. Perhaps that term, second coming font, is used because the greatest news story one day will be the second coming of Christ. It will be the greatest, most epic event in all of history. The event of Jesus Christ's return. This will be the most jaw-dropping event ever. There's no way Hollywood could ever be able to capture what that will, day will be like when he comes the second time. In fact, Jesus himself said in, in Matthew chapter uh, 24, I will come again and I will come this time with power and great glory. Now, before Jesus returns the second time, because he's going to come back with great power and glory. First time he came quietly in obscurity. But it's going to be completely different when he comes the second time. And we're told that there are actually a, a few major events that will happen before he comes back. The Bible talks about a rapture. This rapture, of course, will last for seven years. At the halfway point, things are going to begin, begin to change. It's called the Great Tribulation, actually. And this will be all building toward what we call Armageddon. When you actually hear that word Armageddon, it almost seems ominous. It seems so final. Because it will be the final conflict of all of mankind. It will be really like World War III. Revelation 16, 16 says, And they assembled them at a place that is in Hebrew called Armageddon. Sometimes we think, oh, that's just a name that they call Armageddon. Armageddon actually is a word that means Valley of Megiddo. So when we're talking about Armageddon, we're actually talking about a location where the final conflict of the world will take place. I have a picture here. This is the Valley of uh, Megiddo. It's also called the Valley of Jezreel. And um, if you ever have a chance to, to go to Israel, you'll definitely go here. It's kind of like the, uh, the heart uh, of the promised land right here. Lots of growth uh, takes place here in the Valley of Megiddo. And um, there's a lot of battles actually that have taken place here. Uh, Gideon uh, defeated the Midianites here at the Valley of Megiddo. Uh, Ahab's 70 sons were killed in the valley. Um, Jezebel uh, killed Naboth. He wanted the, his vineyard. That, this is the, the Valley of Megiddo. Uh, King Saul was uh, killed on the battlefield of Megiddo. And this is where the Bible says the final war, the war of Armageddon that will usher in his second coming to earth. And we think, I wonder why this place, why in 1799 when Napoleon was attacking the Ottoman Empire at battle and he saw the valley of Megiddo, these were his words, it is the most natural battleground on the whole world. Now Satan has to be able to do something to stop. He's trying to stop the second coming. It was bad enough he came the first time, but he's definitely trying his best to stop the second coming. And for him to do that, he's, what he's got to do is try to get rid of the nation of Israel. That's his number one priority. Because during this particular time, Israel will be on the front stage. The Middle East will be on the front page of all that is happening. And the, when the Antichrist comes, he'll be revealed here right at the rapture. And he will seem to be the answer to all of the world's problems. Because he'll be a peacemaker. And he will actually put a treaty together like the world has never actually ever seen before. In Revelation 6, it says the Antichrist will be coming riding on a white horse. Looking like he's victorious. Really, he's coming to imitate Christ. And you say, well, who would ever believe that he was, he was the Christ? 
I tell you, one of the reasons is because he is going to help Israel. He is going to help the Jews rebuild their temple. And he's going to get a peace agreement somehow between uh, the Jewish people and the Arab nations. Now the key is, it's not just rebuilding a building, it's actually building it on the Temple Mount. Now for those who may be familiar, the Dome of the Rock, which is a very holy, sacred place for the Arab world, this has been here for 1,000 years. A thousand years this building has been on the Temple Mount. But the Jews believe that's where the temple was one day. In fact, this is the place where they also believe Abraham was getting ready to uh, sacrifice his son Isaac. And so the Jews are praying that one day that they will be able to rebuild their temple there. Somehow, I don't get it, but the Antichrist will convince the Arab world to allow the Jewish temple to be built. From a distance you can see it's a 37-acre piece of land. And I don't get it, I can't even figure it out, I can't fathom it. Somehow he will broker an agreement between the two nations that will allow them uh, to rebuild the temple. At the halfway mark of the tribulation, oh, I thought I had a sign there. At the halfway mark of the tribulation, we call it the great uh, tribulation. And at that point, where after all that the Antichrist has done for Israel, he's going to walk into the temple this holy place, the Jewish temple, and he will build an image of himself and expect the, all the world to worship him. It's called the abomination of desolation. And he will ride with his white horse victorious. But at the halfway mark, three and a half years, he will no longer be riding a white horse, but a, a horse of war. And it's all building toward this battle of Armageddon. Zechariah... Uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm all confused here. Let me go back to here. The Bible says, through peace he will deceive many, but then suddenly destruction will descend upon them like a woman in labor. So that's the idea. He's going to deceive people by the peace that he's able to produce um, in the world. Zechariah says, I will gather all the nations to fight against Jerusalem. The city will be taken, the houses looted, the women raped, half the population will be taken into captivity, and the rest will be left among the ruins of the city. All the nations are going to come against Israel. And that will be part of what ushers in when he comes the second time. The tribulation, the great tribulation... It gets very, very dark here. It all seems so good. It seems really good the three and a half years. But at this point, things begin to change. Because right here is when the Antichrist turns his back on Israel. And he will be doing everything he possibly can to kill every Jew. And to kill every Christian. But despite this massive persecution what is amazing God's word is going to be spreading all over the world and there'll be great revivals in fact the revivals like the world has never seen before lots of people will get saved after the rapture because the Bible says God's going to raise up 144,000 Jews who will come to understand that Jesus is the Messiah and the Bible says they will travel the world spreading the gospel it's like 144,000 Billy Grahams traveling the earth sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Matthew says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall come the end. So just before Jesus comes back the second time, there's going to be this massive revival. 
during the tribulation, though, God is going to raise up some prophets, two prophets, uh, a couple witnesses, and they will have miraculous power, the Bible says. They'll be able to call fire down from heaven. They'll be able to shut off the rain. They'll be able to turn water uh, into blood. But then the Bible says, they're doing all these miraculous things, but the Bible says that the Antichrist will kill them. And their bodies will be left in the streets of Jerusalem. The Bible says the whole world will see it. There probably never was a time in history like today with all of our technology that the world could actually see at the same time. And their bodies will lay there in the street. Revelation says now after the three and a half days, this is what's going to blow the world now after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw him. Three and a half days, bodies are lying in the street. Every news network is going to be covering it. And then the world will see life brought back to the, as they come back to life again. And I say we'll all see it because with our television computers and laptops and iPads and telephones and, and now watches, I mean, you'll be able to see it. Everybody will be able to see what happens when they come back to life. It says in Revelation, I saw the heavens standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen and white and clean. This is talking, this is the description of what it's going to be like when Jesus comes the second time. We've, we're celebrating his first arrival, but this is the description of the second time that he's going to come. When we read it, it almost sounds a little bit like science fiction. Can this really happen? But what's interesting, the first time he came, he did come in obscurity. Nobody knew that he had arrived. The second time, everybody will know when he comes. At the rapture. Jesus comes before judgment. But at the second coming, he comes with judgment. At the rapture, he comes uh, for his people. But the second time he comes, he's going to come with his people. When the rapture, he came like a thief in the night. But in the second time he comes, the whole world will see him. And he will be crowned um, king of kings because that's how he will be coming back. There is a big difference between his, the first time he came and the second time. At his first arrival that we're talking about, we look back at the manger scene and we realize he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. At his second coming, though, the second time he arrives, he will be clothed in royal robes dipped in blood. At his first time that he came, he was surrounded by shepherds and animals. But the second time that he comes, he'll be surrounded by the saints and angels. At his first time that he came, the door to the inn was closed to him. At his second time that he comes, the door of heaven will be open to him. The first time he came, he came as a lamb of God who would die for the sins of the world. But when he comes the second time, he'll come as the lion of Judah and as judge. As I said, Jesus won't be coming by himself. We'll be with him. Those who know Jesus Christ as their personal savior. It says in Jude, see the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones. Colossians says, when Christ shall appear, we shall appear with him. For those who know Jesus Christ, 
we actually will return with Christ at his second coming. As I said, the last uh, three and a half years, it's the great tribulation. In Daniel chapter 11, it says there will be a reaction to the Antichrist around the world, world because armies are going to build up. They recognize that the Antichrist wants to be the rule of the world, like Hitler, Europe today, the world tomorrow. And the Bible says that armies will begin to gather to defeat the Antichrist. In fact, it talks about that there will be a king of the north and a king of the south. A lot of prophetic scholars believe that actually will be Russia that is coming down toward the Middle East to fight against the Antichrist in Israel. Then there's the king of the south. A lot of people think that's Egypt and the Arab nations. And they're going to come and they're going to attack the Antichrist and Israel. And what's going to happen is unbelievable, but they're going to be defeated. Israel and the Antichrist will defeat those two armies that come to attack them. But then the Bible says there will be an army that comes from the east with 200 million in their army. When that was written in John, there wasn't even 200 million people on earth. And so a lot of people believe this king, this country from the east is China. In fact, it was a few years ago China made the statement, we have 325 million people in our army. That would be like they could send off 200 million, still leave 125 million left behind uh, to protect uh, their country. It's obviously uh, a country that is becoming a lot of dominance in this world. It's the second largest economy in the world. It's the second largest defense budget in the world, growing by 10% every year. Zechariah says, I will gather all the nations against Israel. So guaranteed, CBC will be there, CTV will be there, Fox News, CNN, uh, MSNBC will be there to cover it all. And for the first three and a half years, as I said, the Antichrist will be Israel's best friend. It will be unbelievable. And really the people will look like he is the answer to the world's problems. But things change at that three and a half year mark. And the whole world will come together in the Middle East for the purpose to destroy Israel. See, when Jesus comes back the second time, it will be completely different than the first time. He will not come as Jesus, little meek and mild. He's not the sweet little baby Jesus. He's not like the Gucci, Gucci, Gucci little boy. No, when he comes, he'll come to judge the world, and the armies will be with him. And we are the armies. We go with him in the rapture. We'll come back with him at that second coming. And as people witnessed his ascension from the Mount of Olives, he said, likewise, I will return. And the scriptures tells us that on that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives when he returns. East of Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives will be split too from east to west, forming a great valley with half of the mountains moving north and half moving south. It will be split all the way right down to the Dead Sea when Jesus Christ returns back at the Mount of Olives. Now the thing is, the battle is going to be very, very quick when Jesus returns. This battle of Armageddon, this final battle, it's not going to be a long, drawn-out battle. It will be quick. All God's going to do is summon all the nations, because that's what he's done. He's brought them all together. The Bible says he's done it, so he'll be able to judge them for rejecting him. But then something unbelievable. I, it's almost hard to get a load of this. It says... And Zechariah, and I will pour out on the house of David 
and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one that they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one who mourns for an only child and grieves bitterly for him as one who grieves for a firstborn son. Israel will finally recognize who Jesus is, that he actually was the one who came and, had his, and that they were the ones who pierced his body and they will turn to him. And the Bible says all of Israel will be saved. He came first as a little baby in obscurity. But when he comes again, he'll come as the king of kings. And when he returns, that second coming, he will then establish the millennium kingdom, where he will rule the world from Jerusalem. It will be like a righteous dictatorship. Now, we have an enemy, okay, that would like to try to convince us. I say he not only is an enemy, he's a liar, and that's, that's what he's been doing since he's ever been in existence. And we have an enemy that would like to tell us, you don't have to worry about the future. That's so far away. I don't know if that's even true. And you begin to think we've been waiting for so long. Is that really going to happen? And before long we think, well, you know, we, we kind of get it out of our mind. Yet yeah, we've been instructed to be looking, actually, and ready for when Jesus comes back the second time. So what does it all mean? It means that God has told us to be watching for the signs. And honestly, I, especially during this season, I just feel like the signs are pointing to a soon return. You know, there's so many details in the Bible. You can look at Zechariah and Isaiah and, and the book of Daniel and Revelation, Matthew and Thessalonians. Like, there's so many details, and I, I can hardly put them all together. But somehow God's going to take all the details and make it all work. You know, if I was a look at my watch, I would say, you know, okay, it's about quarter, you know, about 17 minutes after 10. But if I took the back of the watch off, I could not explain all the details of the watch. I couldn't tell you what that spring was for and what that mechanism is for. But I can tell you the time. And I think the time is late. I think there's a time for us to be, begin to start looking for the return of Christ. Just look at the signs. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com.